Welcome to the Go Loco podcast, entertainment and lifestyle offerings from the Loudon Times Mirror. Hello, this is John Battiston, reporter for the Loudon Times Mirror, and I'm joined by editor-in-chief of the Loudon Times Mirror, Trevor Baratko. Trevor, how are we doing? John, my man, what's up? Uh, it's, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when, when do you think the last time we saw each other was? Well, you know, we're talking virtually right now. We've been talking virtually for about five months now. Uh, not long after we put out the first episode of Go Loco, I'd say the available material for an entertainment-based podcast has been pretty slim since then, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like we uh, really could have known, but uh, in retrospect, March was not the uh, ideal time to launch this bad boy. Uh, the county uh, pretty well shut down for uh, the next few months, and it's gradually getting rolling again. But gosh, it's just crazy to think that it's been uh, five months since we've all been together in the office. I guess I should say for uh, the listeners that the Times Mayor has been implementing uh, remote work, work from home, telework, whatever you want to call it, uh, since all this craziness began. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty wild to think it's been that long, especially because it feels like, you know, both nothing and everything has kind of happened at the same time. You know, we effectively do live in a different world right now than we did five or six months ago. But at the same time, many of us are at home far more often. Many of us are, you know, it seems like our options for fighting boredom and cabin fever are becoming slimmer and slimmer every day. That's for sure. You know, we say fighting boredom, like I, uh, kind of feel like you're queuing me up for our wine segment coming <laughs> up. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we aren't really touching on anything too profound when we just talk about kind of the bizarre nature of time these days. But it really is nuts. And on one hand, it feels like we were recording uh, the first episode, well, the first episode and the only episode uh, of the Go Loco podcast just a couple weeks ago. And then on the other hand, it seems like it was a couple years ago. But it, I, I'm glad we finally got back into it. Understandably, we we had to hit pause for a while while we figured out our remote work, our remote uh, newspaper production for with everybody uh, being in their own locations. But I am I'm very you know happy we're here. I'm happy you and I are here. The Times Mirror is uh, still here serving the community. Grateful for my health, and uh, I guess I you know I should say. We really sincerely wish everyone the best in these uh, crazy times. We want to send our condolences to anyone, you know, Loudoners and anyone across the globe that has lost somebody from this really awful, awful virus. That has to be said. It's such a shame that this has wreaked so much havoc on the lives of our neighbors. But moving on, this is a, an entertainment podcast, and we, we want to look ahead for uh, brighter days and better things to come. So, John, what, what do we have here uh, for the next half hour or 45 minutes or however the heck long we're making this thing? We've got a surprising good bit. So we found a number of people to chat with about various creative endeavors uh, that they've been taking on during all this. First, we've got uh, Ramain Mostafavi, who is a local stand-up comic and a producer of a stand-up comedy series of events at Winery 32, which hopefully will be able to get back on its feet uh, sooner than later. Um, After that, we have your chat with Amy Henkel, who is the co-owner of Lost Creek Winery and the new Echelon Wine Bar in downtown Leesburg. 
And then finally, our last uh, big interview is with Christian Nianakis, who is a member of the local band My Kid Brother, who just signed on with Fearless Records out in L.A. So they're just one of a few different musical acts within the last year uh, who I've had the good fortune of profiling and uh, watching kind of take a step toward the big time. So while clearly we want to treat the pandemic and its often horrific consequences with respect and empathy, as you said, we're also very grateful for these stories and others of people who are finding ways to, you know, work around the many obstacles that come with this time in history to pursue the things that they love to do and share those with those who might get some joy out of it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, th- I think it's kind of tough to say, but I, I do feel like most people agree as bumpy and unpredictable uh, as this year and these past few months have been there. Are, a lot of people have found some silver linings, you know, I know for me not to get too sappy or anything, but it's been somewhat welcome to hit reset and focus on things and realize the things that are kind of most important to me. And I know most important to a lot of people, you know, family, loved ones, uh, for me, the arts, uh, and then just hobbies like reading and writing, which certainly ties in with uh, the work that we're so blessed to be able to do. Uh, John, I know you being the uh, film buff you are, you're probably working your way through your uh, movies to watch list. And, and I'm guessing, I'm thinking you have a 60 second film review upcoming. I know that's that's something we want to make a regular part of the Go Loco podcast is your 60 second film review. So I'm eager to hear what you have in store for us. Absolutely, I've got that. Uh, be giving a rundown of two films recently released on digital platforms during the pandemic that I've enjoyed a lot. And I've also got a recommendation for those willing to take a little bit of a road trip to enjoy a big screen experience while staying socially distanced and having fun with the family. And speaking of nearby events, later in the podcast, Karen Graham, our community editor, is going to give her rundown of six noteworthy happenings that are going on around the county over the next two weeks from her community calendar. Well, it sounds like we're going to uh, fill out this podcast, fill out this episode well. So I am uh, looking forward. Let's just jump into it. All right, let's go. Before the COVID-19 health crisis took hold, Leesburg's Winery 32 would host regular stand-up comedy events. The creative mind behind that series is Romain Mostafavi, a stand-up comic who has produced and performed shows in a number of Northern Virginia and D.C. venues. With one of the art form's most crucial elements, the live audience, effectively removed until further notice, Mostafavi and his peers have had to come up with creative ways to continue to develop their craft. I spoke with him back in June. So how did you get into both producing and performing comedy? And if you could explain what the differences are between the two and kind of what goes into each job. Well, I started just as a, as a comedian, you know, like anybody that just has an inkling that they might be able to make people laugh. And as I was able to you know, sort of understand the industry a little bit within the first few months of being a comedian, I decided to start producing a small comedy room in Arlington, Virginia, at a place called Ragtime. That went well, and I just sort of built it up from there, kind of kind of simultaneously being a comedian and a producer at the same time. I consider myself to be very lucky. Uh, I started stand-up comedy late by most standards. I was 34 years old the first time I tried stand-up comedy, and I'd already had three kids. Uh, I had done theater acting previously, so I had a little stage experience, but it's a completely different animal. And then along the 
way, I picked up other little little rooms, and uh, Winery 32 was one of those along the way. And we've become very close uh, as just people. What is comedy now is kind of like, that's the question we don't know. <laughs> as comedians and as, a, as producers, we don't know how to move forward exactly. As a performer, before all this, how would you describe your relationship with your in-person listeners? I'm a pretty talkative comedian when it comes to interacting with the crowd. I try not to make targets of people, but I am certainly willing to chat with people as I go, or I may ask general questions. You know, has anybody ever XYZ? But it's not like I do a, a full crowd work show. So when COVID-19 first hit, or like really just when it first rose to the surface, did you expect it to ultimately have an impact on your work in entertainment that it ultimately did? No. I mean, I'm certainly no scientist or doctor, but, you know, I just kind of followed just kind of how everyone was feeling, you know. And, and for a little while we thought, oh, this is going to be a couple of weeks. So we went with that theory. And I remember when I got my first canceled gig from it, I was kind of shocked because we weren't sure what was going on. We heard it was really bad in Italy, but it was like, well, it looks like they're telling us we got to shut down for a couple of weeks. You know, we can handle that. And then just one canceled gig after the other, they just started piling up. And um, soon it became very clear that we were not going to be doing any live shows for what looked like a month and then two months and then all summer and even still it's like we don't know if we'll be able to do live shows in a club atmosphere into the fall into the winter you know, nothing is off the table for how long this is going to be it certainly went from you know a small concern we're going to lose a couple of gigs to really the whole career is canceled you had talked about you know you and some of your colleagues doing online sets or types of performances that weren't quite as fulfilling, and you know you think about the difference between stand-up comedy with a live audience and maybe without a live audience is almost being kind of like the difference between you know a sitcom with a live audience and without a live audience. It's kind of like you know they they can both be effective, but they're almost completely different types of pacing and punctuation. Yeah. So what has your online presence and performance kind of looked like and that of your peers in kind of adjusting yeah. to that new sense of pacing so for me i've reinvented pieces of myself i've made some youtube videos something that i don't normally focus on because i don't have the time but in this period it was like look i want to stay creative i want to stay relevant so let me make some videos to try to make light of the corona situation so i released some of those that was good for me to get into some of that and then online you know comedy is about the, the response without a crowd giving you their energy and their vibe it's difficult to know how you're doing so i've done shows online shows that have had 500 people watching but i can't see them and i can't hear them so I don't know what they're feeling, uh, if they're liking the type of comedy that I'm putting out there. You know, I generally stay within a, a certain range of how I present my comedy, but we all tailor things a little bit. You know, If I can see the crowd and I go, okay, this is generally an older crowd or this is generally a very young crowd, and then I can get a sense for what makes them laugh and what speed they're kind of into or how much audience interaction they might think is acceptable or how much foul language are they willing to put up with. You know, some crowds just want it a little harder, a little dirtier, uh, even though it, you can take a stance that's like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I do, because my goal is make them laugh. 
now that you don't necessarily have a live audience and you're kind of changing up your format, has that kind of impacted your confidence in your material and in your performance and in how you land jokes? A uh, good question. I mean, yes, I think there are times where I'm on the other side of the monitor just going, is this good? <laughs> you know, especially when you're used to a certain level of success. And, gosh, I hope that people are laughing on the other side. But there's also only, you know, how much can we ask of these people sitting on the other side of the monitor on their couch or sitting at their desk? And It's hard for everyone to get into that vibe. The only show that I've had a higher level of success with is a show that I've created called Couples Therapy. Couples Therapy uh, is a show that I do every month, or I was doing every month at the DC Improv. We sold out 15 in a row, um, and then the, then the virus hit. So we decided to try to turn it into an online show, and it has continued to be successful online. I've managed to get some very well-known comedians on there because everyone's out of work right now. The, the theme is that I, I'm a couples therapist, which I'm not really. But, <laughs> you know, I pretend to be a therapist and I pretend that my two comedian guests are therapists as well and that we are going to shuffle through the issues of the crowd members. And, uh, we've had excellent interaction with the crowds. We've had upwards of 600 people join us on there and they just kind of uh, in, in the little chat feed, they'll put their questions, and then I just filter through and find one and read it to the other comedians. We riff on that, and then I'll bring, if people want to come off screen and chat with us, then I invite them on, and we'll have two or three audience members at a time uh, come on screen, and they can tell us about their issue, whether it's real or not. You know, it doesn't matter. Once we eventually get to, you know, being able to have venues at full capacity, you know, restaurants and bars, once that's all happened and hopefully regained a sense of permanence, what do you think your work as a performer and a producer kind of looks like moving forward? Gosh, um, so hard to answer that. I, 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 I don't know. We want to be on stage. We want to entertain. I think it'll be very difficult to do that given the parameters of what all these phases mean. So, you know, when people come to it, let's say they're, if they're allowed to come to a comedy club, they still have to sit six to ten feet apart. And then you'll have the tension of, you know, there's some people that just think the whole thing is a hoax. So then you've got them in the mix arguing. They don't want to wear a mask on the way in. They don't want to sit ten feet apart. So then the venues have to put up with that amount of stress. That energy is all in the room when we take the stage to, to tell jokes. So it, I, I, I have no idea what to expect. Uh, but we do need to learn how to live given the new parameters. What that looks like from a stand-up comedy standpoint, for me, it, it, it equals uh, a lesser experience. I don't see how we can have equivalent experiences when we can't have the same community and uh, full rooms that we had previously, physically, and, and then, of course, the added stress and anxiety and the anger from some of the audience members who we need to be walking into a situation feeling good um, so that we can have an amazing show. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, art has always played a role of both, you know, challenging people in tough times and also, you know, providing a sense of relief. And so hopefully uh, you and your peers and the other people in kind of the DMV comedy community, uh, hopefully sooner than later, can kind of start playing your part in that again. But uh, thank you so much for talking. I really appreciate it. Of course. You can learn more about Ramein Mostafavi at Ramein.com. That's R-A-H-M-E-I-N.com. 
Thank you for joining us for this month's calendar highlights. I'm Karen Graham, community editor at the Loudoun Times Mirror, and I pull together our events calendar pages each week. Here are six of the top events happening in Loudoun in the next two weeks. First, we have the Art of the Cocktail at the Conch from 2 to 4 p.m. on Friday. This class is offered regularly, and you can check their website for a complete listing of the options. Enjoy a welcome cocktail as you learn how to stir, shake, and muddle. Your ticket includes a welcome drink and snacks. Join the conch for this educational, popular, and fun event. Learn the history of cocktails and how to prepare and create what will certainly be some of your favorite drinks. Ticket price is $75 and tickets are available online at eventbrite.com. The conch is located in the village at Leesburg. On August 8th is the 9th Annual Barbecue and Bluegrass at Bro Vineyards, starting at 11 a.m. There are wine tastings available by reservation, delicious barbecue, craft vendors, and live bluegrass. Food vendors include Grandale, Hog It Up, Inside Scoop, Old Virginia Smoke, and Roaming Bistro. Seating is limited, so reserve early. Blankets and pop-up tents are welcome. Social distancing will be in place as well as daily safety and sanitation protocol. Bro Vineyards is located at 36888 Bro Vineyards Lane in Percival. Check their website, brovineyards.com, for more information. The next we have on Sunday, the Way of Rosé wine tasting event at Bluemont Vineyards. It's at 1 p.m. on August 9th. They will explore the Way of Rosé with six different Rosé-inspired bottles featuring Walsh Family Wines and October 1 Vineyards. This tasting series will be by reservation only to ensure safety measures can be applied. Tickets are $25 a person and include a tasting of six wines and a souvenir glass. Bluemont Vineyards is located at 18755 Foggy Bottom Road in Bluemont. Tickets are available at exploretalk.com. At the Clay and Metal Loft in Leesburg, they are offering a bead bracelet class on August 13th. That's Thursday night at 7 p.m. This is a quick little workshop that incorporates leather beads and metal to create a gorgeous bracelet you'll want to wear with everything. No prior jewelry making experience is required. In person, the class is $55 and it's also available online for $60, which includes shipping the materials. The Clay and Metal Loft is located at 27 Fairfax Street in Leesburg. Visit theclayandmetalloft.com for more information. The next event is on Saturday, August 15th and Sunday, August 16th. It's called the Big Dig Potato Harvest at Great Country Farms. This is held from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Join Great Country Farms for potato digging and other activities. Tickets are available in advance online and include a full day of fun on the farm and access to the potato field. Potatoes are sold separately on site by the Peck and the Half Peck box. You can add on a pancake breakfast for an additional $5 and also you can visit Henway Hard Cider to taste their new cider. Visit greatcountryfarms.com for more information. Great Country Farms is located at 18780 Foggy Bottom Road in Bluemont. The last event that we are featuring is called Emmy Sunshine, and she's going to be performing at B Chord Brewing in Round Hill on Friday, August 14th at 8 p.m. 
She has been named among the 10 new country artists you need to know by Rolling Stone magazine. Since the age of nine, she has attracted national attention. She is performing at eight o'clock, and the tickets are available online at barnesofrosehill.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy getting out to some of these great events around Loudoun County. Leesburg Indie Rock Quintet, My Kid Brother, recently became the latest Loudoun music act to take a step toward the big time. Last year, they signed with Fearless Records, a label based in Los Angeles, whose pedigree of current and former artists include the Plain White Tees and Portugal the Man. Though the current health crisis has caused the band to seize live performances for the foreseeable future, they're taking advantage of their abundant downtime to crank out more material than they otherwise would have. I spoke with singer guitarist Christian Neonakis two weeks ago. Tell me a little bit about uh, how uh, My Kid Brother kind of formed. How did y'all meet, and uh, where did your uh, creative partnership begin? So uh, Sam and I used to work together. I moved down from Baltimore to uh, Loudoun County probably about five or six years ago, and um, I had played in a bunch of bands up in Baltimore and. Uh, Sam had played in bands before. He went to Radford and played in bands around the area. And uh, we were just both looking to kind of <clears throat> start playing some, you know, music together. Like, So I had all my equipment, and we would kind of get together and play at this bar that we worked at um, after hours. So after it would close, we would uh, go ahead and set up, like, his drums and, like, uh, set up my amps and stuff, set up a mic, and uh, just play for a couple hours there. And then uh, our friends would come by and hang out and watch us play and stuff like that um and people would join in it was like really loose and really easy going and then i think sam and i got like more interested in like being like well there's a lot of fun like what if we actually got something together and started playing like just locally just for fun and i was like yeah that'd be cool we could do like covers or we could do originals whatever really just to play some live music so uh initially it was supposed to just be the two of us playing him on drums, me on guitar, we're going to kind of do the two-man thing, but then we ultimately we were like, ah, oh, this is kind of difficult, let's get, see if we can get more people to play along too, and so meanwhile, throughout that time, I had been kind of, I had been recording songs on my own, um, just in my room at, at night, and like, uh, you know, whenever I had free time, and I just showed a couple friends around the area, and like some of my friends, originally it was called Songs for My Friends, and uh, that was like, I was making an album just of music that I could give my friends to listen to they were like, this, this is good. You know, I showed it to Sammy. He was like, yeah, I'd love to play this. Like, this is awesome. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, in recording in my room, I, I definitely added more guitars, more keys and stuff. So we'd have to build it up. So we did. We, we just really just by talking to people that we knew in the area, we were like, does anybody want to play music? And so Dylan was like, yeah, I'll definitely play guitar. He's like, I actually have a practice space that we can use out in Middleburg. And uh, we were like, cool, yeah, let's do that. So we, we did it. And we started playing. And then kind of just like through like knowing people and word of mouth, we started lining up shows around the area and then we had a good response like a lot of people wanted to come see us play and like that was really cool and like really supportive of the community and i think you know they wanted to have like people that they know playing live music that wasn't necessarily a cover band and so we just kept continuing to play live and, and we started to book tours we started to get to know other bands and like kind of like bounce ideas through them, utilize them. Um, and along the way, we met Richard, who plays bass, and he was a local musician in the area, as was uh, Piano, who plays keys. She was also another local musician that we had heard of and eventually met, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to, because those spots needed to be filled, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to. So eventually, come like a year, two years later, it eventually 
formed into that. And then we crowdfunded our first album, which was Baltimore Street Rat. Uh, and so we were just kind of pushing that album, pushing merch, playing bigger and bigger shows. I started playing like Tally Ho, had good responses from that. I started playing like touring like down the East Coast, had good responses from that. And then we got reached out to by a guy that worked at a radio station that knew a bunch of people out in LA and he really liked this stuff. So he passed it along and it reached the president of Fearless Records, who is the guy named Andy. And he reached out to us and was like, can I come see you guys play? And we were like, sure. So we were playing a show out in DC and he flew out from LA to watch us play. And then that night was like, I'd love to bring you on and sign you as one of our new bands. And we were like, yeah, that'd be killer. So since that point, we've just kind of been getting the process of everything signed, all the getting everything together with the lawyer, still playing shows, still touring, um, and then recording our album with the label, which we're, we're slowly releasing now, like as singles. Eventually it's going to be formed into, it'll just be a six-song EP, but we're just releasing them as singles now. So up until Corona hit, it was, uh, everything was going really, really great. I mean, not that it's going poorly now, but yeah, definitely like uh, stifled a little bit of the upward movement that we had, but that's okay. Things happen. We've learned to get creative through that. Speaking of uh, Fearless Records, in signing with them, y'all are in the company of like the Plain White Tees. They've also were kind of a springboard for bands like Portugal the Man. And so having signed to them and being in business with them, what are your kind of expectations for how that's going to move things forward? Is it... Uh, is it optimistic? Is it kind of intimidating at all? Um, no, it's extremely, op like we're extremely optimistic. Uh, it's super encouraging too, because, you know, um, to be able to be associated and to be working directly with a label and a company that has produced so much success from so many bands, you, you can't help but feel optimistic and go, you know, it, it honestly was, a, it's a super motivating thing. In fact, we, I think we started working harder than we ever have to try and like one make sure that we can be successful or try our hardest to be successful try our hardest to follow every avenue we can to find success and make real careers out of playing music and being involved with music but it also kind of made us realize that like we have the potential to if we work hard enough and we try hard enough to just keep climbing the ladder and keep uh trying to just hit new levels and hit new degrees of success through just playing music and that's incredibly encouraging that now that door has been open and we have the ability to do it we just have to literally continue to bust our asses and, and make sure that we are doing everything that we can to try to make our careers successful kind of on that note so you know i was listening to some of your releases a lot of your stuff is inspired very much by kind of you know upbeat R and B, like the music of Jackie Wilson is a is a big oh, inspiration, yeah. and it's got a very organic instrumentation, which is traditional uh, guitar, drum, bass, piano setup with a few like added frills. Like that's what I always enjoy listening to. But in most cases, uh, you know, music with that kind of instrumentation can be not necessarily on like the back burner of modern pop culture in terms of music. At least like the mainstream headlines sometimes tend to favor, you know, the the highly electronic or bass heavy music uh, is kind of like how the paradigm is shifting in order to maintain your sound and your originality while also like promoting yourselves and um, and broadening your audience. What kind of means do you guys you know hope to take moving forward? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, so like, um, you know, you, you kind of want to keep like as authentic as possible. I think every musician that really loves their craft and kind of grew off their craft wants to stay as authentic to the things that they love uh, and kind of like what's the foundation for their their musical uh, influence. You want to keep that, but 
you also have to be uh, not too stubborn and you have to be willing to work with people that are also extremely talented and extremely know the industry extremely well. Like, um, and that, that's when producers come in. And so when you work with a producer, you work with multiple producers um, and you co-write with these people. And, and then you, uh, you know, you, you take a second look at your, at the songs that you kind of fell in love with and, and you have to be willing to go, does every single piece of this song, is it so perfect that I'm unwilling to change it? And the answer, I, I, of course, is no. That's why uh, directors in film, they have editors. They're, they're not the ones editing their film because not all, if, if they did, if the directors were editing their film, the director's cuts are like twice as long because they just keep everything in it that they think is beautiful. And, and you kind of do have to uh, trim some of the fat away. You know, and I, I think there's a healthy balance where you can keep what is truly authentically you and what the foundation of your songwriting is while taking a, a, a different look in a different perspective at how could how could this be more palatable how could this be um introduced to a wider audience and and how do we go about doing that so i think like working with producers working with your manager working with your label and saying let's 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 really evaluate this let's really dissect this and say what's good and what's not good about it I think that we were honestly just so humbled to be even out in LA and like recording with people that we admire that we were just like, yeah, anything you say, man, <laughs> like we, uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of pushback from us. I think that, uh, once we got more comfortable, we were able to be like, well, let's, let's look at it, but we're not, I don't think any of us in the band are really like, uh, super stubborn people. I think we're just happy to be making music and happy to have this opportunity to make music with people that we respect. So it, it, it goes really smoothly. As you acknowledged earlier, it's hard to talk about uh, y'all's progress and upward movement uh, in your career without kind of mentioning COVID-19 and the self-isolation period. How has the pandemic affected y'all's ability to, you know, record and produce material? Are you able to do so over distance or are you still meeting up but just being super careful or what has it been looking like for the past little bit? Uh, so I gotta say technology is just fascinating and it's amazing. And, uh, if it wasn't for brilliant technological advances in the music industry, um, I don't even know what would have happened. We're able to, um, literally both work on, um, the same project. So say we start in Pro Tools, say we start a project, uh, Pro Tools allows cloud, um, collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so we can be working live with each other while, um, I'm recording in my house and piano's recording in her house. And so the houses that we live in are split. So Dylan lives with me, who's Dylan, the guitarist, and then Sam, Richard, and piano, they all live in a separate house. So they're able to work from their system on the same project and record as I'm able to work on, uh, my system here with Dylan and record. So we've been really like really, really pushing out a lot, a lot, a lot of new music. Um, there's just a ton of content now. So that's been a great advantage of being in isolation is that we've, we've written and laid down at least rough sketches of so many new songs and a lot of them that we like are really excited about. Even then, we can send those to our manager, we can send those to the label, we can uh, even work with like co-writing sessions with people that we get set up with, whether they're out in L.A. or whether they're right in Northern Virginia, you can you can still collaborate with these people and these writers just through the internet, through uh, cloud. I don't know what it would be like if it wasn't for that, but man, luckily we live in this technological age where we're able to do that, so we were still, in spite of not playing shows, able to keep upward progression and, and be writing and working and... and uh, creatively seeking out new avenues. What does uh, the future of My Kid Brother look like for you? What do you hope uh, lies in the, you know, the next two, five, ten years? 
I think that we just are going to work as hard as we possibly can. I think that there's never been in our band. And one thing I'm really proud of every single person in this band is there's never been a shortage of hard work by all the band members. Uh, everybody, we work together and we work really hard. So I see us just, uh, you know, utilizing the, um, the resources that we have now with the label, with a manager, with booking agent, and, and really just taking those things and running with them, playing shows, playing all over the country, playing with bands that are much bigger than we are to produce momentum to you know reach new audiences, and then continuing. Like we have tons of music, so just putting that music out, laying it down, experimenting, like looking from different perspectives at how our music, how we play our music, how we create our music, um, just having these resources at our hands to do all the things that we've always dreamt of doing I think we're just going to go ahead and try our hardest and, and do them and see what happens. Um, but I know that we're in good hands. We love fearless. Like they're an amazing record label. We love our manager, you know, being in those hands, like there's, <clears throat> we're going to shoot for the stars. We're going to just keep trying to push that upward momentum, just play shows, tour, write music, make albums and keep, keep going. You can listen to My Kid Brother's most recent singles on Spotify and learn more about the band at MyKidBrotherMusic.com. Hey there. It's my favorite time of the week, which means it is wine time with Trevor, where we chat with our local experts about Lowndes wine industry. Earlier this week, we spoke with Amy Henkel, who co-owns the new Echelon Wine Bar and Restaurant in downtown Leesburg, as well as the vineyards at Lost Creek in Luckett's. Henkel co-owns both Echelon and Lost Creek with her husband, Todd. Let's swirl right into the conversation. Uh, Echelon's kind of the, the new kid in town. Already heard a, a few fabulous reviews. So tell us about Echelon and, and the vision behind it. Sure. It's been two years in the making. My husband and I, Todd, who is uh, also the winemaker at, at Lost Creek, we've had our eye on downtown Leesburg in a while. And we thought, wow, this would be really a cool place to put something like this, uh, a wine bar of some sort. We kind of watched it be really up and coming and, and become really vibrant over the last few years. And so two years ago, we started looking for a space there. And then we started construction uh, on the space and signed the lease and everything in, in the summer of last year. The vision behind it was kind of from some trips that we took to California and Oregon, where you've seen the vineyards are out in the um, countryside. And so then they have these remote tasting rooms that are more in the urban areas. And so it started with that as an idea. And because we also have a passion for wine education mm -hmm. as well, it kind of evolved into this idea of being able to showcase a remote tasting room for Lost Creek. But what about also being able to showcase and teach and share the world of wines in general, all local, domestic, and international. That's how it came about and evolved. And so now it's a, you know, we, we have about 100 different wines on the wine list. Um, wow. And we feature That's about 30 different wines by the glass uh, so that you can explore. On top of some wine education classes and tastings and things that we we're starting to offer every week as well. So so those few times I ran into you and Todd out and about uh, in downtown Leesburg, and maybe we shared a drink or two, that, that was all market research, huh? I see what you guys, I see what you guys were up to. <laughs> yes, yes. You certainly have Lost Creek Wines. Again, Lost Creek is Todd and yours winery uh, just north of Leesburg. And you do serve Lost Creek wines at Echelon. I know that's not all you serve. So t tell us kind of about your selections and your way of crafting the list. 
So, you know, I've had the opportunity to get my WSCT certification, which is Wine Spirits Education Trust. Um, I'm level three certified, and so I had the opportunity to work with Jay Yeoman from Capital Wine School, mm-hmm. and we've partnered with him to offer classes um, through Echelon as well. But as part of that experience and that draw, there was, you know, this idea of how many wines and how many varietals, how many regions are people just not familiar with that are so fun to explore and to enjoy, but you're kind of nervous to, like a Pecorino, which is a beautiful Italian grape that is indigenous to Italy. So, but people are scared. What's Pecorino? I thought that was cheese, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's fun is we get to pour that in bites for people and they try it and they love it. And then they have now, you know, kind of expanded their knowledge of wine and then they keep coming back to enjoy those. So that's kind of how the, the wine list was created is, is in that idea of, you know, exploration, if you will, of different mm-hmm. regions. Yep. On the other side, coming from a manufacturer side, was we really wanted to feature small producers, people like us, like Lost Creek, which are sustainable, organic, you know, trying to be as organic as possible, mm-hmm. that are family owned. So we're not afraid to put things on the list that are going to run out. And so you might enjoy that wine for the next couple months, but then it's gone. That took me back probably about 10 years ago uh, when I kind of first got into wine a little bit. A friend, you know, making me realize that there there is not an infinite supply of good, unique wine. And that's part of the excitement is seeking out small batch, small produced wines that are very unique, especially kind of for an American palate. But talk just generally about your love of wine and how you got into it. It's funny. I uh, I, I grew up in a family that actually didn't drink. <laughs> I uh, my introduction into wine was when I got into college, and my friends were giving me you know Bartles and James and, uh, and Boone's Farm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're like most of us, it wasn't the good stuff in college. No, it was not. <laughs> Then later in college, I actually uh, met a friend whose uh, family who was Italian and happened to be, they did like home winemaking. And so he really had a, a, a real love of wine and would go out and explore that and start to enjoy that. Then that really got me hooked. And I started getting into classes and I became, you know, on our college wine club and those kind of things. Um, and then when I met Todd, we both, you know, really had an appreciation and a love for it. And we ended up honeymooning in Bordeaux, you know, saw the vineyards, and we fell in love with the idea that we're going to get into this business one of these days. So, you know, coming from a tech background, we're both engineers. We just didn't know, like, when that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we traveled a lot across the U.S. with our jobs. And we looked in Oregon, we looked in California, and we just, you know, decided, no, we're not, it's not the right time. And then we moved here 14 years ago and um, actually joined, uh, stumbled into Tarara Winery and was like, wow, we didn't even know there were wines out here in Virginia. <laughs> and they're beautiful. And how cool is this? And we kind of kept an eye on things on the industry and then stumbled onto Lost Creek eight years ago now. So yeah. when we found it, we were like, fell in love. And six months later, we bought it. Back to Echelon, you know, the obvious one here, how, how uh, has the pandemic impacted your plans? You guys plan to open up a little earlier, but it's remarkable that you, you have managed to open up at all. It's been a roller coaster, that's for sure. We uh, were slated to open on the first Friday in April. We had hired our entire management team. Then we shut down, what, March 23rd? Um, everything got shut down, and we decided to go ahead and move forward with opening, but with takeout, essentially. So because we wanted to get a little bit of the marketing exposure and all of that 
I think what's been great is the fact that we've been a part of the Leesburg community and Loudoun County community, and people were really supportive and came out and, you know, enjoyed um, purchasing wines because we also sell the wines retail. Right. In, in addition, on-site. So, you know, we had a lot of retail purchases. We had a lot of uh, takeouts. Uh, that was enough to get us through. So we didn't have to let any of our management team go. We were able to make that. Oh, uh, that's terrific. That time, yeah, which that's was great. So yeah. good to hear. And then about six weeks ago, we were ready to go. We had uh, the extra time of planning, that's for sure. We were able to open up and, you know, the word's getting out. Obviously, we get a lot of foot traffic coming by. Mm-hmm. The uh, town of Leesburg just shut down the streets right. on the evenings yep. of Friday and Saturday nights. So now we have the ability to, to have some outdoor dining as well. So that's getting even more exposure for us. We're to the point now where Friday and Saturday nights, we're on a wait list. So yeah. For a new restaurant yeah. in these times, I mean, that is really welcome news. It's been great. I mean, obviously, we're managing everything with the with the guidelines, so we're not anywhere near full capacity. So we're you know we're okay. operating even even less than half to maintain all of the social distancing and everything. But the response has been overwhelming, and we've been just really excited to be there. What uh, are some of your favorite wines on the echelon list right now? Oh gosh, um, there's a lot, but that was the fun part about Echelon because I you know I'm the wine director there too, so I manage all of the, the entire wine list. We've probably traded about 300 wines to narrow it down to this, you know, 100. Yeah. One of my first ones is called Chateau Marie. Natural Selection is the name of it. And what I love about this Chateau is it is um, fully biodynamic, has some of the most natural wine out there. They sulfite so low that they're nearly organic. So it's a Syrah Grenache uh, blend, and it's just beautiful. You know, it's not a terrible price. I mean, we, we have it on our wine list for, I think, around $45. It's just, you know... Big and beautiful. So <laughs> I'd say on the, on the reds, that's definitely one of my favorites. And then, oh gosh, you know, on the whites, that's a tough one because there's so many neat different uh, whites out there. But I'd say probably the other one is a, it's from the island of Santorini. It's uh, Argeros Estate. It's an Assertico, which is a very unusual varietal because it's grown in a volcanic soil. It's really fun and kind of a lot of minerality to it so kind of on that bright crisp side of like what a what a French Chablis would be like but also kind of refreshing with the soil that you grow in it so so I'd say those are kind of my two favorites right now on the on our wine list. Tell us about Lost Creek and how things are going there and how how uh, how, how things are looking well, this year. We've been doing great. I mean, the 2019 harvest and everything was was beautiful. Things are aging really well. I mean, that that, that vintage was amazing. Mm-hmm. 2020 is, is really starting to, to shape up well now. It was tough, and I you know I know Charlottesville got hit pretty hard with frost. We weren't so bad up here mm-hmm. in Northern Virginia, but um, there was four different frost events, and the, we dodged a bullet with the first three, but the last one um, that hit on Mother's Day did hit our Chardonnay blocks. So oh, we are going to see some you know yield degradation this year because of that. Um, but other than that, since it's been dry, warm. Yeah. It's been, you know, really good. The rain we just had was fantastic, actually. But the other cool thing we, we're excited about this year is that we have a new vineyard that's located up on the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is on this amazing soil, well-drained. It's all Bordeaux varietals that are planted there for a red fruit. And that Terrific. just came on last year. And the fruit, you know, now it's going to be on its fourth leaf this year. So we're excited to see how that vineyard continues to evolve but it is producing some of our best wines to date that we've ever had so we're we're excited about that moving forward especially exciting where is that you know where blue Mont winery right yeah as the crow flies 
down the ridge of the mountain. It's about a mile down. Okay, cool. Well, that's, yeah, I hadn't heard that. That's, uh, that's terrific. You can learn more about Henkel's businesses at LostCreekWinery.com and EchelonWineBar.com. And now your 60 seconds of cinema. With most theaters having indefinitely closed their doors, new movies have hit a bit of a slowdown since March. Thankfully, many streaming services have continued to crank out new content, and several studios have released their summer movies through video on demand. Two highlights in the COVID movie canon include The Five Bloods, Spike Lee's masterful action epic following a group of black Vietnam War veterans as they return to the battlefield 50 years later, and Tiger Tail, Alan Yang's quietly moving portrait of how regret shapes the life of an aged Taiwanese immigrant. Both of those are available to stream on Netflix, and you can read my reviews of them at loudentimes.com. For Louderners who are willing to venture out for a socially distanced big screen experience, I recommend driving to the Family Drive-In Theater in Stevens City, about half an hour west of Bluemont. Tickets are $9 for adults and $4 for kids under 12, and the theater often shows double features, making it a great bang for your movie-loving buck. That's all for this episode. For more coverage of the stories presented in this episode, as well as other Loudoun County news, check out the links in the episode description, and check in regularly at loudontimes.com. For the Go Loco podcast, I'm John Battiston. We'll see you next time.